Greetings to my lovely audience. My name is Sylvan. I use he, him pronouns, and welcome back to LGBTQSU. Hey, so, if you couldn't tell by the, the record scratch, much like two episodes or so ago, this is a pre-recorded episode from back in December. Uh, just wanted to take a little bit off my plate for spring break, uh, so this one and the next episode will be pre-recorded, but they are actually, it's like a two-part episode thing. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy, and I hope you guys have a great spring break. It's a new day of pre-recording. It is currently the 12th. Let me, I feel like that's wrong. I'm really bad at knowing what day it is. Yep, it is the 12th of December. I am currently finishing up finals and, you know, feeling pretty good. Had a very productive week. I actually, um, I finished my three final essays already, and I, tonight I actually just have to study for my Spanish exam in the morning, which is at 8 a.m., because, you know... I just have the best luck when it comes to scheduling. But, you know, I hope everyone's having a great break so far and, you know, that everybody else had, you know, as much luck with finals as I've had so far. Of course, again, this is still, this this episode's going out weeks ahead of it being recorded. So, you know, it's probably, I don't actually know the exact date that this one will go out, but it might, it might actually be, like, well past finals. But either way, I hope everyone's having a good break so far. So, anyway, today's episode is all about HRT, or Hormone Replacement Therapy. Uh, We discussed this briefly in the last episode with talking about, uh, you know, so you think you might be trans, Uh, but we're going to go in a lot more in depth today. But due to the sheer amount of content that I have to cover on this, uh, because there's there's a lot, um, I will be breaking this up actually into two separate episodes, um, which will probably result in them being a little shorter than 30 minutes. But, you know, I do hope you can forgive me because I am still working on my finals and, you know, put, you know, turning everything in and getting packed up, ready to go home for the break. Um, So I hope you can forgive me. Uh, So this episode will be talking about the. the details that cover both masculinizing and feminizing hormone replacement therapy. Um, So any symptoms, any concerns, any information like that um, will be covered today, as well as the details of feminizing hormone replacement therapy. And next episode, we will be talking about transmasculine hormone replacement therapy and the long-term risks that people, like that researchers have found. um, Because hormone replacement therapy hasn't been around for trans people for all that long. So a lot of the long-term effects haven't been discovered, but there are some that have been, and I feel those are very important to share because there are health risks. Um, so yeah, that, w- that is what we'll be covering between today and the next episode. So, uh, you know, hope you're excited, and without further ado, let's get into it. So as stated before, HRT stands for Hormone Replacement Therapy. It is a medical treatment that a trans person may elect to receive to either masculinize or feminize their body. Uh, HRT is used to on the okay so this this actually does tie back into the last episode in the discussion of gender dysphoria versus gender euphoria and how not everyone has gender dysphoria unfortunately most of the medical community hasn't caught up on this and view hrt as a way of simply to relieve gender dysphoria so if you don't experience gender dysphoria and are you know exclusively experience euphoria you will most likely come across issues if attempting to start hrt especially if you're in a more conservative area it is not hopeless, obviously. There are a lot of doctors that have caught up on this, on this, you know, concept. Uh, but again, if you're in a conservative area, that might be a, that might be a little more difficult. Um, so, speaking of you know different areas, each state has different rules on access to it and when you can start. 
um, unsurprisingly, southern states tend to be more restrictive, with some states even outlawing HRT for minors or even for everybody in that state, but more, more commonly outlawing it for minors and criminally punishing doctors that administer HRT to minors. Um, generally speaking, across the country, uh, the youngest that you can start HRT tends to be around 16 with parental permission. Um, some states will allow you to start earlier, of course, again, with parental permission. I've known some people start hormone replacement therapy as early as 13, um, so it really depends on the area and also your parents' willingness, because um, like I didn't start HRT till I was 18 when I didn't need parental permission anymore. So uh, going further into this, uh, HRT is not just used by binary trans people. Some non-binary individuals also do go through HRT, though the uses and applications are often different. So most people that do start hormone replacement therapy will be on these hormones for the rest of their lives and plan accordingly. Though a common move for non-binary people is to go long enough to get certain changes that they want and then stop. So I will be discussing this further in the episode, but certain changes on HRT are permanent and some are reversible. So in addition to that, various symptoms and changes will occur at different times like they take some take longer to actually come into effect um, so sometimes what non-binary people will do is they'll go on long enough or at a low enough dosage to get certain changes and then once they get those changes they will stop so that they can get more of an androgynous appearance that they want however not even all not, not even all binary trans people will stay on hormone replacement therapy forever either um, this can happen for various reasons some like non-binary people may be content with the changes up to a certain point. Um, some people may not want to rely on the medical system forever, and some have health issues related to HRT. So actually one of my favorite trans creators, although I haven't actually watched his stuff regularly in a while, but he is one of my favorite creators is Miles McKenna. Uh, he came out publicly a couple years ago at this point. I'd like to say 2017, but that may be completely wrong. Um, but he came out a couple years ago on YouTube while he was already a popular creator. Um, he originally came out as non-binary, and then he came out as trans, like as a female-to-male trans, trans man. Um, so he talks about this a bit in why he stopped hormone replacement therapy. Um, of course, I want to encourage you guys to go discover his content and discover other trans creators online. But you know, so, you know, otherwise, like, why would I have brought him up if I'm not going to talk about it? Um, so some of the reasons that he stopped HRT is because it was causing his anxiety to skyrocket and he also was dealing with uncontrollable acne that was getting quite painful and making him very self-conscious because of his face. Um, so he was having these issues that he could not resolve with his doctor, so he elected to stop and he also didn't want to have to rely on the medical system for the rest of his life to be happy. Um, that's actually a really big concern of mine is that, you know, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. And I'm going to have to rely on the American healthcare system, which, as we all know, is, you know, so fun to deal with. Um, so that's a concern about a lot of trans people. And it does contribute to some people not going on hormone replacement therapy forever. They'll go on long enough to get all the changes that they want, and then they'll stop. Um, so that contributes to why he stopped. But I do encourage you to look him up. It's Miles McKenna on YouTube. He is, he is very fantastic. He's so funny. Um, so I do encourage you to go look at to look go look him up because he has queer content as well as just you know general fun content. So he's very he's very fun. 
Uh, but without further ado, uh, you know, not focusing on transmasculine things today, let us discuss transfeminine HRT. So if I can scroll down in my script, because I actually have transmasculine first, just because that's the research that I found first. And I just couldn't have been bothered to readjust my script very much. So, okay, transfeminizing HRT. So my information for this comes from my own personal knowledge already, um, but all of the information on specific timing um, or like the specific uh, methods of, of administration that I wasn't familiar with, uh, let's see, uh, certain symptoms that I wasn't aware of, and certain health risks are all c coming from Mayo Clinic, which is a very well-respected medical website. Um, so that's where I pulled that. Uh, so I do encourage you to go look them up and look more into this yourself because their, their articles on each hormone replacement ther therapy are very in-depth and it's very cool to read. Um, so of course, you know, do some, you can feel free to do some personal re research on your own as well. Um, I feel like I just said a very redundant sentence, <laughs> but it's fine. Anyway, transfeminizing HRT. So with feminizing hormones, you are going to be taking both estrogen and another medication such as a testosterone blocker or progesterone in order to stop the effects of testosterone in the body. Testosterone is a lot harder to counteract than estrogen, which is why transfeminine people will have to take another medication on top of estrogen in order to get the effects that they want and to keep hormone replacement therapy safe. So this, I actually did not know this next bit. Um, so apparently when you start feminizing HRT, you will not you will not usually start estrogen for four to eight weeks. Um, for those four to eight weeks, you'll be taking the testosterone blocker or something like progesterone in order to lower the, the level of testosterone in the body first and then introduce the estrogen. So I just found that very interesting. Um, the article that I was reading didn't go super in depth as to like the specific science as to why, but I'm just, you know, it. I'm assuming it really just has to do with the fact that testosterone is harder to counteract. Um, so, you know, that was interesting. I, I did not know that till today. Uh, so estrogen and the other testosterone blockers and progesterone can be administered through a variety of ways. The most common for estrogen is pills, though pills aren't recommended for anybody with a personal or family history of thromboembolic disease, which I will actually discuss further in a, in a little bit. Um, but the other, the other options are injections, there, and then there's various uh, topical treatments such as cream, gel, spray, and a patch. Um, those are all covered at ver varying rates per your insurance, so definitely look into that before you make any surefire decision on what you would like. Of course, you can have your own opinion. Like some people just straight up will not do injections, and that's fair. But you know, look into your insurance if you, you may have to call them and get more information because some some insurance websites are really hard to navigate, and some of them just don't have the information on what they'll cover for trans care. So definitely make sure that you look into that. Um, so a doctor may hesitate to or refuse to prescribe HRT if you suffer from any of the following conditions. Uh, if I could, I thought I had that copied, so I'm actually just gonna have to come back up here, but that's okay. So a doctor may hesitate or refuse to prescribe HRT if you're dealing with any of the following. Um, if you've had or have a hormone sensitive cancer, uh, in the case of transfeminizing uh, HRT, that would be prostate cancer. Um, so those cancers can be triggered or uh, made worse by uh, improper hormone levels. So this can cause serious issues if you are attempting to start HRT at some point. Um, and more on that thromboembolic disease, uh, it's essentially severe blood clotting. Um, 
and specifically it is in deep veins or arteries um, and it is a very severe issue uh, so you know that's that's important to note um, and then further on they may refuse or hesitate if you have any uncontrolled behavioral conditions significant mental conditions or also just any conditions that limit your ability to, pro to provide informed consent um, and of course different doctors will have different criteria as to what they they deem um, but I will say, of course, if you've been diagnosed with, you know, depression, anxiety, anything like OCD, like I have, um, it's not hopeless, you know, like a doctor isn't going to look at you and look at your diagnosis and immediately say, oh, absolutely not, or at least not all doctors will, because, um, you know, as I just stated, I have been diagnosed with those three things and I am on testosterone, so it is not it is not like the end of the world if you have been diagnosed with those things, but if your doctor does deem them uncontrolled, they will most likely hesitate or refuse simply because you are going through another puberty and as we all know, puberty messes with your hormones and your emotional state. It can make you very emotionally vulnerable, so throwing more hormonal imbalance into the equation when you have not controlled your conditions that could put you in a very vulnerable state or to a to a degree that you are a danger to yourself or others many doctors will refuse or hesitate to prescribe it until you deal with those things so uh those are the those are some of the risk factors uh well not risk factors um that's actually later um but those are some of the uh those are some of the, the reasons that a doctor may hesitate to, or refuse to prescribe HRT. Uh, so let's move into the changes that you will experience on feminizing HRT. So um, this list, again, is from Mayo Clinic. Uh, the timing is from them. And I do have some more symptoms that were not on the list, which I will mention last. So going through the list, uh, one of the first thing that they have listed is decreased libido, which for those who don't know, libido is your sex drive. Testosterone does make you more prone to a higher sex drive, which is, you know, why teenage boys are generally seen as, you know, per like, you know, perverted maniacs wanting to have sex all the time. And, you know, teenage girls aren't typically seen that way. So decreased libido will typically start to happen between three to six months of starting hormone replacement therapy with the maximum effects happening within one to two years. And it depends on every person. Some people naturally do have a higher libido or a lower libido than others, regardless of how high your testosterone or estrogen is or what your assigned gender at birth is. Um, and it also depends on your genetics, which is a little horrifying to think about because I don't really want to think about the libido of my parents or my grandparents. But, you know, it does have it does play into it. Uh, so speaking of genetics, uh, the slowing of scalp hair loss will occur between one to three months and a maximum effect within one to two years. So this plays into the male pattern baldness. Um, it won't necessarily reverse the effects, but it will slow it down if you started to experience those things. And again, that depends on your genetics. And actually, fun fact, your hair loss genetics don't... Of course, genetics isn't an exact science yet because humans can only learn so much in so much time. But it has been discovered and, be and believed that your genetics for hair loss go... Um, they like they pass through the mom side. So even if your dad is completely bald, if your um, if your family has a history of lack of male pattern baldness on the on your mom's side, then you are more likely to you know have that full head of hair that you've been looking for. Um, and that also applies to testosterone. But you know that's that's for next episode. Um, so that will that will slow down hopefully. Uh, and then you will also experience softer and less oily skin. Um, about one to three months into HRT with the maximum effects within one to two years. Um, 
you know, I don't know if anybody out there has noticed, but women do tend, or women, women and AFAB people do tend to have softer skin, um, and generally less oils, except, you know, maybe during puberty when everybody's oily, um, but you will experience softer and less oily skin, even without having to moisturize. Um, so that's, that's very cool. Um, and then another symptoms that you will experience is testicular atrophy, which this is where we get into more of the, not, the line here is a little sketchy on what I'm allowed to say on a school po- on a school sponsored podcast. So I will try to keep this incredibly clinical. And again, if it wasn't obvious, this is all for educational purposes. This is not for any other ulterior motives. So testicular atrophy will usually occur between three to six months of starting and a maximum effect within two to three years. So testicular atrophy is the shrinking of the testicles, which this contributes to decreased libido as well as infertility. Um, Infertility issues can be a really big problem with HRT. Um, So definitely if you are considering, uh, you know, having a biological child with a future partner, um, definitely talk to your doctor about that and what you can do in order to lower your chances of infertility or to possibly save your sperm anything like that, definitely talk to your doctor. Um, And then going further, breast development on estrogen will occur between three to six months in with a maximum effect of two to three years, or between two to three years. Um, So usually it hasn't been observed growing breasts larger than a B or a C cup, but this can be enhanced by surgery, um, you know, the typical breast augmentation that a cis woman might get. Um, Additionally, you will experience a redistribution of body fat. This will happen between the first three to six months with a maximum effect within the first two to five years. Um, So the body fat will redistribute into a more feminine pattern, meaning you'll get wider hips, usually a skinnier waist. Of course, barring your rib cage, you can't really change your rib cage uh, without surgery. Um, And then you'll get less belly fat. Um, The fat will usually transfer to your hips and maybe to your like lower back sometimes depend it also really depends on your genetics because everybody's family has you know genetic predisposition to carrying weight in different areas like for me even before i started even before i started testosterone and like masculinizing hrt i still had like more belly fat just because that's where my family naturally carried it so it really depends on your body and also you will hopefully experience uh, a change in your facial features and they'll be softer um, unfortunately, uh, testosterone, like uh, assigned male at birth bodies will generally have stronger bone structure in the face. And as I mentioned, you can't really change your bone structure on hormone replacement therapy. So it really depends on your face going into hormone replacement therapy and your genetics and anything like that. That is another thing that a lot of trans feminine people will look into is called facial feminization surgery. We talked about that last time. Um, a lot of that can involve shaving down uh, the the bones in your face in order to have a softer appearance. But hopefully, depending on your face, your, your facial structure, your facial structure. Oh my goodness! Going into HRT, you should experience some softer facial features. Additionally, you will experience a decreased muscle mass. Uh, this will happen between the first three to six months, with the maximum effects within one to two years. Um, so testosterone does make you more naturally predisposed to gaining and maintaining muscle mass. Um, of course, going on estrogen does not make this impossible in any means. You know, I've you can do a simple Google search and find hundreds of you know female bodybuilders, like cis female bodybuilders. So it is not at all impossible. It's just not 
you're not as naturally inclined to get and maintain muscle mass without more work going into it. Um, you'll also experience a decrease in facial hair and body hair growth. This will occur within the first six to 12 months with the maximum effects within, the within one to three years. Um, generally speaking, if you have facial hair growth going into it, it will not stop this growth. It will just make the hairs grow in less thick, less dark, as well as make it grow in slower. Um, many trans feminine people will also, uh, if they have continued issues with their facial hair or their body hair for that matter, um, they will, uh, they're inclined to try to receive laser hair removal, um, which as, as I'm sure you've noticed at this point, there's many different things that estrogen just will not change enough for some trans feminine people. Um, that is an unfortunate aspect of uh, feminizing HRT is generally speaking, it does not have as dramatic of an outward shift, especially if you are starting it later in life or once you've fully gone through uh, AMAB puberty. Um, it really depends, and a lot of trans feminine people will elect to get certain surgeries or procedures done in order to fully feminize their body to the extent that they want it to be. I think this also plays into the fact that society has a very, very specific and hypersexualized way of viewing women. And if a trans feminine person is, you know, too boxy or doesn't have big enough breasts or has facial hair, then they're viewed as less of a woman, even though a trans masculine person could go on T and still have, you know, wider hips and not grow facial hair. And they'll be, still be seen as a man because, you know, misogyny and, you know, society's view on women and the male gaze and all of that. But that's not the focus of today's episode. Um, but I do think that that does have a lot to do with it. Um, so those are all of the symptoms and the timings that Mayo, that Mayo Clinic has listed. Um, but another one that I know off the top of my head is changes to your emotional state. Yes, you will probably get more sad and cry more often. Some trans feminine people actually do report having a monthly increase in emotional distress, meaning that they actually do experience the emotional changes that an AFAB person would get going through their period, but without the bleeding. And it's just, you know, being more emotional, which, you know, that sucks. But it, actually, a lot of a lot of people that report this do find it very affirming because, you know, they get as close to having a, you know, like the it's not a pinnacle of being an, an AFAB person is having a period, but it can often be seen that way um, with internalized dysphoria and misogyny and all of that stuff. Um, so actually, a lot of trans feminine people will say that that's very gender affirming for them to have that, you know, that week every month where they're more emotional. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any other symptoms that I can recall off the top of my head for feminizing HRT, but thankfully there actually are, there were more specific things in this article listed than in the article for transmasculine HRT, which that's for next episode. Um, so uh, with, with going on HRT, it is not just about, you know, getting a prescription and then boom, you're done. Um, you will have to get routine blood work done, which that is really unfortunate, especially for those that are really afraid of injections and needles and don't want that as their method of administering their hormones. Unfortunately, you will still have to get blood work done. Um, you can talk to your doctor if you're concerned about that. Um, but the blood work is done in order to monitor a variety of things, including, if I could find it in my script, um, there it is, okay. Um, so your blood work is done to monitor your hormone concentration, any changes in the lipids, blood sugar, blood count, liver enzymes, and electrolytes in your blood. Um, so the hormone concentration is really important because you don't want to overload your body because that can really stress yourself out. 
like it can really stress out your body and it can actually have counterproductive effects. Um, I don't know if this actually applies to estrogen, um, like, you know, like taking estrogen as hormone replacement therapy, but I do know for testosterone, um, if you actually have too much testosterone in your body at once, your body will convert the extra testosterone into estrogen, which is the opposite of what you want. Um, I have not actually found whether that, like the opposite happens when you take too much estrogen. I'm actually not sure on that one, but having too much estrogen in your body, um, I, whether or not it, it will uh, convert to extra testosterone or not, it will still have adverse effects on your emotional state and can have adverse effects on your body. Um, so making sure that your hormone concentration is at the right level is very important. And you know, uh, an AFAB person and an AMAB person are going to have naturally different levels of you know blood sugar, blood count, liver enzymes, and the other things that I listed. Um, so those things will change when you go on hormone replacement therapy. And it's especially important if your fam, like if you have a personal or family history of you know issues with some of these things, like low blood sugar. If you have issues with like diabetes or anything like that, that is especially important to monitor because those changes, while your body will adjust to running off of, in this case, running off of primarily estrogen, um, your body hasn't been doing that for all of the years of its life thus far. So it can really freak it out, and you can end up having a lot of health issues if you don't monitor these things which is also why taking bl uh, black market hormones is really dangerous. Uh, you can get hormones online. It is terrible. It is, it, is, it is not a good idea. It is completely It is completely unsafe. It is extremely dangerous. Do not do that. I know it can be really tempting, especially when you're not in an environment where you can have access to regulated hormones, but it is extremely dangerous to take black market hormones without monitoring from a doctor and doing regular blood work. But I digress. Um, actually, I'm again, I'm not really sure the specifics of this for feminizing HRT as it wasn't listed in the articles that I was reading, uh, especially the Mayo Clinic article where I'm getting a lot of this information. Um, but I know I've been talking with my doctor and at least for me, my blood work, um, I had to get blood work before I started and then I've had to get blood work every three months. Um, I believe she said after the first year, it'll go to about every six months, and then eventually I'll only have to get blood work once a year, once all of my levels are very consistent and the dramatic changes of testosterone are done happening. Um, so I would assume that would also apply to feminizing HRT, but again, unfortunately, I am not actually sure. Um, so otherwise, you will just want to monitor your physical and emotional changes. And oftentimes, trans people will do this through personal journals. They'll have a blog online. They'll take a picture every day to, you know, show how their face is changing. Or they'll have vlogs. Either, you know, they may publish them or they may not. But that can be really helpful for trans people. And it, it can be very empowering to see how far you've come. I actually do kind of regret not doing, like, a voice tracking thing. Like, this is my voice one day on testosterone. This is my voice two weeks on testosterone. I do kind of regret not doing that because I think it would have been really cool. But I do take videos of myself speaking regularly, so I at least have that. It just wasn't a formal thing. Um, but that is something that a lot of trans people will do. And it is also very helpful for your doctor, for you to have like an in-depth uh, log of your symptoms changing, um, just to make sure that you know everything's going well. Um, so in regards to uh, other treatments and other things that you should do when going on HRT, uh, breast cancer screenings are suggested to the same degree as they're recommended for cisgender women. Um, 
So it's like a routine thing that cisgender women will do. Typically, it's recommended to get a breast cancer screening, aka a mammogram, once a year, where basically they squish your breast tissue between two plates and look into it and see if there's a tumor in there. Um, but if you're not comfortable with or you don't believe in routine mammograms, because some people don't believe in doing it regularly because you know they think that it might actually cause more issues, but I digress. Uh, so if you're not comfortable or you don't believe in the routine mammograms, or if you don't have the breast tissue, like enough breast tissue developed for it, self-breast examinations are recommended. Um, again, to the same extent that they're recommended for cisgender women, it's actually recommended that you should examine your breast tissue about once a month. Uh, examine for you know uh, any changes in the appearance of your nipple, like if your um, like if your areola is inverted when it was not before, um, if there's a lump, if there's a bump, if there's any part that's tender. It's recommended to you know, do a self-examination about once a month. Um, and especially when you're going on HRT, as the breast tissue develops, it is developing typically at a much faster rate than it would um, going through the, like a naturally, like an AFAB puberty. Um, so it's especially important to make sure that your breast tissue is developing properly and that you are not having any issues. Also for feminizing HRT, you will still want to get routine prostate cancer screenings according to recommendations for cisgender men. I believe for cisgender men, it's recommended about once every year or two. Um, but if you're uncomfortable with or you don't believe in routine screenings, as far as I know and as far as I've found, there aren't really any self-screenings like with a breast, like a self-examination of your breasts where you can you know, feel around. I'm not really sure that the average person would be able to feel around their prostate and tell if there's an issue. Um, but you know, if you can, good for you. Um, but since there aren't any self-screenings as far as I'm aware and as far as I've found, Make sure that you research symptoms of issues with your prostate, such as, I know, excess, excess urinating or pain when you're urinating, anything like that can be, can be signs of an issue with your prostate. So research those symptoms and make sure that you're staying aware of any symptoms that you are experiencing so that if, you know, especially if you're not comfortable with or you don't want to go get those routine screenings, that you're making sure that you're, that you're safe and that your body is, you know, you know, not falling apart. <laughs> That's always very important. So that actually wraps up all the information for this episode. And that did actually bring us to about a half hour. So I'm kind of impressed. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of information to go to. So as I said earlier, next week's, uh, next week's uh, episode will be going into transmasculine HRT and also the long-term health side effects and risks of going on HRT that have so far been discovered. So that does wrap us that does wrap up today's episode i hope you guys learned something new today i certainly did i i, I really did i had no idea that you don't typically start estrogen right away that you actually start the blockers first but you know after reading about it it does make a lot of sense seeing as trans like seeing as testosterone is a lot harder to counteract um but yeah so i hope you learned something new and i hope you had a good time i hope this was entertaining and i hope you guys are having a wonderful break so far and i will see you guys next week have a good day everybody